Hey, this is Eastlake BBA, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you. We hope this builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Hi, you guys. My name is Bill T. I'm super thankful to be here. Um, I'm not quite sure yet if I'm the real deal alcoholic. I was for sure a heavy drinker and a problem drinker. Um, I think I probably am definitely a drug addict recovered and absolutely without a, without a doubt, a controller fixer, chaos creator, flaming Al-Anon all the way. I'm trying to recover from that today. So um, yeah, I was super thankful for that seven minutes of meditation. I needed that. I, I said a little prayer and I asked for my higher power that I call God to stand right here and hold my hand. And I know that if I'm holding God's hand, I don't have to worry about being lost or being abandoned ever again. And I, I worried about that stuff for a long time. I wanna thank Luis and and Renzo for asking me to speak here. I, I'm newish to BBA. Um, I tried just before COVID um, because I was having problems in my relationships. You know, it was weird as things started happening with my wife and I. And um, my Al-Anon sponsor and his um, AA wife had done BBA a few years ago. And we tried to sit down as two couples and get the idiot's guide in the workbook and do that stuff together in their home. And it just brought all this stuff up, you know? And my wife's looking at me funny and I'm looking at her funny and I'm getting the lowest nudge and stuff. And it was weird. And, and thank God COVID hit because we stopped going to those meetings because it was just getting too real in there, in their front room with all this BBA and, and really looking at the stuff. So I'm going to try to share in 20 minutes um, part of my story, what it was like or what I was like, what has happened to me and what I sometimes can be like now if I do this. Um, yeah, and it's a lot. And I'm, I'm, I'm super excited to be involved with this work. It's, it's already, you know, those promises from the big book are, are happening in my life, you know, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, and sometimes both quickly and slowly at the same time. And it's absolutely amazing. Um, I grew up in an alcoholic family. I'm the oldest of nine kids. My father was a dry drunk. He quit drinking um, to marry my mom to convert to this religion where you're not supposed to drink, you know, many of them. And when I was born, I knew there was something wrong with my dad. He was just angry all the time. I could see these blood vessels popping up in the middle of his head. And he was just like, I could feel it. And I think at two years old, I um, told myself that it was my job to do something or say something or do nothing and say nothing so he would be okay, so I could feel okay. And I never felt okay. I was always afraid, you know, and I would, I would get small, I would get quiet, I would get gone. And I learned at a very early age that it was my responsibility to change things around me so I would feel safe, like at two. And so I grew up in that family, you know, and my dad was dry the whole time. And at 15 years old, I decided, you know, because of what, what I had been told, and I never got what I needed from my dad. My mom is very untreated Al-Anon, and she's a great woman, and, and she loves me and loves me today. But she was do, doing the best she could with nine kids and a, and a dry, drunk husband, you know. And um, I decided at 15 that, that um, and I'm going to try not to drop any F-bombs. I'm going... I try to blame it on AA meetings that I've been going to a lot, and so I'm like cussing a lot lately, but it's really, it's me, right? Um, I decided that I couldn't do anything good enough to please my father. Like, I couldn't be good, so I was going to be the best bad that I could be. And so, like, in the early 80s, probably 81 or 82, I fell in love for the first time in my life with punk rock. 
It was antisocial, it was aggressive, it was angry, it was loud, it was forceful, and that was what I wanted, and my dad hated it. And I, was, I did a really good job at being really bad. And you know, at 15 years old, I'm a freshman in high school, I got a girlfriend who's a senior, and I would take the odometer cable off my parents' car and drive it down to her house in Escondido, and we'd go down to these clubs like in Mission Bay and see like punk and ska bands, and I'd stay out all night, you know, doing little whatever they were called, you know, Christmas trees or black beauties or whatever, and drinking beers, and I'd get home about five o'clock in the morning and, and tell my parents that I couldn't go to school. And I did that, you know, like I just did that, and I was off to the races at 15. I was doing whatever they had, crystal coke, mushrooms, pills, alcohol, all the time. And I'm working construction and I'm going to work, you know, like at, at 16, my parents asked me to leave their house, my dad, because old Sinai kids in this very religious family, and I couldn't be a bad example, so they asked me to leave. And I'm working construction and I have this mohawk and my tool belt, I'm a lath and plaster guy, and I got Budweiser's like in my nail bags, I'm going in the porta potty, doing lines and drinking beer so I can get ready for work. And to me, you know, that's kind of normal. And I did that for a long time. And, and I'm wondering if I'm an alcoholic. And that was like every day. And, um, you know, about the time that I was, and, and I'm singing in these punk rock bands, and my life is chaos. My life is chaos. And I'm like working that program really well because it's like working for me, I thought. And I met this girl and, um, we moved in together and after we're living together, no one's killing each other, we decide that we're gonna get married and have a baby or have a baby and get married, whichever came first, we were gonna do it. Ends up she was pregnant before we got married. And here's my vital spiritual experience. My sobriety date is February 3rd, 1998. I haven't had a drink or a drug since then. Like I'm, yeah, thanks. It's some time, right? But I still, I'm not cured of alcoholism. Like, I still participate other ways. I've learned in, um, in Al-Anon and ACA and, and, and BBA. And so I meet this girl, and I'm in this condo in Oceanside, and I'm getting this um, rocking chair ready for her after she has this baby. <clears throat> and I have my vital spiritual experience where my higher power that I call God came in and one-stepped me. I actually think he did one, two, and three with me that day. And here's what God said in language that I could understand. Bill, like he knew my name. Weird, huh? He's my father. He goes, how do you expect to be a good example and role model and father to this gift and blessing that I'm bestowing upon you if you're still getting purple mohawks and running out of 7-Eleven with suitcases of beer for fun? And I go, oh yeah, huh? And he said, yeah. And I said, you're right, God. And then there was like this feeling like, are you ready? You know, like just this question, are you ready to set all this stuff down and get to know me better? And you guys, I was done. I really was, because it wasn't, you know, a few days before that I did this bachelor party and just total debauchery and, and, and it was ugly. And, um, and I said, yeah, I'm done. I'm ready to set all, if you, if you can do this, please do this for me. I'm ready to set down all these things so I can get to know you better. And, um, and it happened. The, um, The phenomenon of craving was gone, I realize now. Like, I didn't crave alcohol. I didn't crave crystal meth or cocaine or any of that other stuff. Like, I had no desire to do it. You know, I don't know what time of day it was. It was the middle of the day. There's light coming in through the window. And, and I've been clean and sober since then. And I thought that everything was good, but this, I get married to this woman, and we have this baby, and she gets postpartum depression, so she needs some antidepressants, and then she gets anxiety, and she needs anti-anxiety medication, and then she has pain in her back, and she needs, whoa, 
pain pills, right? And, and of course, I married um, someone a lot like me who grew up in, a, in an alcoholic family with an alcoholic drug addict father and an alcoholic mother. And um, she fell in love with that stuff. And, and I thought because I was going to get clean and sober and change my life that she was just going to do that too. And she made a decision at some point not to do that. And she's doing all these pain meds. And like I knew, but I didn't want to know. Like denial, I didn't really look at it at first. And then I really looked at it. You know, our son was born and, and he's getting older. And after five years, we have this daughter. My daughter's um, almost 19. And I would have told you before coming into Al-Anon eight years ago, I crawled in there because I didn't get sober in AA, remember? Like, I'm not, I don't feel like I want to drink or use. And I thought I was all better. And I didn't realize how much I was focusing on her and that addiction. I mean, that's all I was focusing on. Like that attempted control of another person and tried to take away her free agency became my heroine. And, and I just chipped for a little while. And, um, and then I really like bore down on her. And you know, my kids were afraid of me before, before she left. Um, nine, 10 years ago, you know, when it got so bad that it just exploded in our front room. Um, my kids were afraid of me and I'm clean and sober. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like the good one, right? But I'm not because I'm yelling and screaming and I'm crying and I'm begging and I'm giving money and giving cards and I'm like giving love and then I'm taking it all away and I'm breaking dishes and I'm yelling and my kids are upstairs in her bedroom with nowhere to go. And you know, she was so doped up taking 20, 30 oxys a day. And you know, she's 110 pounds and she was like a shell of a person. And, and I took all that out on my son who was like 10 at that time. You know, I just turned and look at him and there he was. And, and you know, I'm not, I'm not proud of that. And I try every day to make amends to my 23 year old son. You know, we have a good relationship now. He calls me sometimes for advice. We've gone through the steps in the ACA together. He, he, spent quite a few years in Alateen and he's, um, he's heard about BBA and whether or not he looks at it, that's up to him. But you know, it got so bad that I, that I finally, you know, had, we had this big blow up and, and, and she split and she said, you know, I don't want to be a wife and a mom and I'm never coming back. And she never did. And, and um, about eight years ago in June, I crawled into my first Al-Anon meeting and I sat in that chair and um, I felt that little mustard seed of hope, you know, just a little bit. Like I didn't, I remember, I, I mean, I'd been to some AA meetings and NA meetings when I was um, like 19, because I got sober for a year when my sister died in a motorcycle accident. And, um, but I sat in that Al-Anon meeting and I felt that hope, man. And they gave me that literature, that understanding ourselves and alcoholism. And I sat in my bed that night and just cried and said, how do these people know me? And you know, I, I did that Al-Anon deal for a, for a while. Like I got all the books and I got a black bag and I drove to lots of meetings and I felt it and I did the steps with the sponsor and I thought that I was getting all better. Like I thought I was better. You know, I thought I was better. And then um, all these bedevilments start showing up on page 52 and I didn't know it because I'm not reading the book. You know, I just know that I'm having problems with my, because I got remarried. Um, I've been remarried, we're coming up in November, will be seven years to, to a woman, again, who's a lot like me, who grew up in the disease, you know, and, and, um, and I don't know when it started, I think a little before COVID, but I, I got back into that controlling, 
you know, and fixing. And, and I didn't know it, it's subtle. Alcoholism is subtle and it crept up on me like a snake and like wrapped itself around my ankle and just crawled up my shorts and just started squeezing all the different parts of me and like, I'm bedeviled and I didn't know it. And that was probably right around the time COVID hit because remember I tried to go into BBA and we're trying to get better, me. And the whole time, you know, the whole time I would say, oh man, it feels like because, you know, I'm looking at my wife's stuff and it says, fuck, it feels like I'm, I said the F word. I, I, it feels like I'm living with an alcoholic and I'm looking at her and I'm not looking at me. I'm looking at her and I didn't even realize I was looking at her. My Al-Anon sponsor tried to tell me I was looking at her. What's your part, Bill? What's your part, Bill? Is there any truth to that, Bill? I don't know. That's, I don't want to look at that. I want to look at her. And, um, about three months ago, I'm having problems in my, in my relationships. I can't control my emotional nature. I, I don't feel like I'm, I'm of any benefit or service. I can't be of help to other people. And my wife says to me, you know what, dude, I can't live under the same roof as you anymore. Go, oh, wow, where'd that come? She goes, this is out of control. You gotta leave. And you know, I knew she was right, I had to leave because it was getting bad and I knew that and, and I had a moment of clarity where, wow, I'm getting bad again, man. I'm like, I'm, I'm like participating in active alcoholism because the way I do it is I try to control or fix or change you and I flood myself with cortisol and, and, and dopamine and adrenaline and I get off on I got an internal drugstore. I don't have to go down there and get a bottle. I don't have to go to the trailer park and get a little bindle. I just make my own stuff right here, man. It's got my face on the label. You know, Bill Brew or whatever it is. And, um, and so I left, and for two days I thought that was a bad thing. And my family has a ranch in northern Arizona, and me and my buddy have a little cabin in Joshua Tree, and I bounced for about two months between Wiki Up Arizona and Joshua Tree, California. And I took that book with me, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I went to BBA meetings, and like, there's a couple faces that I've seen in some of these meetings, and there's no, there's no um, real service in this little cabin I'm in. It's a homesteading cabin. So I drive down the parking lot of Stater Brothers, and get some chicken tenders and a rock star. And I'd sit in the parking lot and listen to you guys talk about all the stuff that you were getting in these BBA meetings. And it's like, oh, and I'm crying. And there's, there's a gym right next door to that. And there's all these big buff dudes like walking in the gym and I'm oh, crying at a BBA meeting. And I don't even care because I'm getting what I need because you know, God's there with me. And I had this like, I had this spiritual reawakening. I don't know how much time I have. Someone give me like a three minute yo. Is anybody timing this? Anyway, so I'm uh, okay. I'm I'm like going to these meetings, and I'm and I'm I got five more minutes. Thank you, and I'm and I'm feeling all this, and I'm taking that book, and like I have the spiritual reawakening that was a lot like that first one I had. But I'm listening to people that have years and years in Al-Anon and years and years in AA and in different programs, and they say, I'm freaking 30 years sober and I'm sick as hell and I'm crazy. And this is what reading this book and doing this work this way has done for me. And you know what? I can feel it. I, I have like this heart that when God speaks to me through what I call the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, whatever you want to call it, spirit of truth, like my heart's this pressure plate and it senses truth from my higher power and it vibrates and I have pressure relief valves that are in my eyes that I just start bawling. And I felt it, I heard you guys saying it and I felt it and I said, I want it. 
I'm willing to set aside everything that I think I know for a new experience. And I heard a man share that his favorite part in the big book, and I was gonna, I was gonna quote it, and maybe I will. No, I won't, it's right over there. It's what Henry Ford said on page 124 about how experience is the, the most important thing in life it can be, you know? And if we can take these darkest hours of our life and, and, and <clears throat> show them to another family or another person that's suffering in this disease, then all of these things are of infinite worth and value to us. And I don't, I don't want to shut the door on my past. I don't want to hide from it. I don't want to deny it. All these things that happened to me happened to me because they had to happen to me. And, and I was thinking earlier, like, man, I'm one of those guys that really has to get hit in the head and learn his lessons over and over again the hard way. I don't know any other way. I don't know if anybody ever really does. Maybe they do. Maybe some people learn lessons after two or three shots at this thing. I don't know but I don't. And, um, and some man at a meeting shared that that was his favorite part in the book. And you know what? That's my favorite. And, and I'm an Al-Anon. And sometimes I speak at Al-Anon meetings and I read from the big book and people are like, oh, what's the big book? It's not conference of literature. And I do it anyway because it's, it's it, like I feel like that I, I, I can. I, and I've had this spiritual awakening. And that man here is tonight here and I'm thankful for this guy and I love him very much and I haven't known him that long, but he's helped me. He's helped me a lot. And you guys have helped me. And the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous has helped me. And, and I feel like I can help other people now. I, I, you know, I feel like I can share some of the stuff that I learned in that, that, that lump of coal of my experiences and all those hardships and trials that I had to go through. I thought it was a lump of coal. But under pressure and under time and, and with a little help from God, it's been transformed into a diamond and such is my life, you know? Like I feel that today. And you know, I still struggle. Like lately, I, I've been having struggles with, um, it's, it's always my wife, right? And some of the stuff she does or doesn't do. And I just, I gotta get off her back. I, got, I have to want my recovery first and foremost. Her recovery is up to her and her higher power. It's none of my business. Do I want it? Yeah, I want it. But I can't want it more than she wants it. And I'm realizing that now, and, and I'm just trying to keep the focus on myself. And I'm trying to really do this work, and I get down on my knees every day before I look at my phone. Like, I'm putting my phone somewhere where I can't reach it, because that's a problem, too. And I just get down on my knees, and, and I call my higher power God or Father. And you know, really, if I, if I, he's always there. And if I reach my hand out to take his, it will always be there. It always has been. I was the one with my hands in my pocket around a bottle, not him. And I, and, and I love the fact that I know today that I never have to feel lost and I never have to feel alone again. That's all I got. Hi again, my name is Oliver. I'm not calling. Thank you for your story, Bill. Um, you know, I, I mean, the controlling and fixing, I guess that that's in all of us a little bit, but you know, I can't relate that much, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm an alcoholic. Uh, and, uh, and what I can share today is what's going on in my life, you know, and uh, what's going on in my life is that I'm extremely blessed, you know. I mean, there's been times when I come to this podium and I share my my misery, man, but these days, you know, something shifts. And I'm, I've been feeling pretty good, and I've been very thankful, and I've been in contact with God. And my life is 
really, really, really amazing today. You know, I, I had the pleasure and the privilege to drive my son to college, and you know, that's a huge accomplishment, man. But, but the funny thing is that, you know, I mean, I have so many God stories to tell you guys, man, that has happened to me lately that it's, it doesn't matter how much I want to push things my way. It doesn't matter how much I want to control my life. God has different plans for me, man. It just, every time it's just, it baffles me, man, but just the way it is. You know, I mean, I, I hadn't meditated in a while, man. Today I, I did some meditation, and, and, and that's all I could tell God, man. I mean, please uh, help me accept your will, whatever that may be. And, and his will today, I understand that it is what it is. I mean, if I like it, that's fine. If it's not, it's the same thing. So, so anyhow, man, I, you know, like 30 days ago, my insurance policy, for some reason, my brother didn't pay it. It's a company policy, so he, uh, I couldn't go and pick up my, my medication, my, my depression medication that I was given. And uh, so I said, I'm not going to take it. So I haven't taken it in like 45, 50 days, man, and I feel absolutely amazing. And, uh, and you know, I was doubting because, I, I mean, I took the medication and, of course, I felt way better, but, but I've been doing a lot of work with, with alcoholics and I've been doing a lot of work with God. And, and you know, the miracles in this program are for real, man. I mean, I feel good. I feel good. I'm, I'm stable. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just a blessing after another blessing and after another blessing. You know what I mean? Living my son in Colorado was, wasn't a spiritual experience by itself right there. Uh, he's my best friend. It wasn't like that. I mean, we were best friends, and then I screwed up, of course. And then today, I mean, just, just being able to be with him and the little things in life that I can enjoy him to the max, to the fullest. And before, I was just walking blind. So, I mean, life is great. This, is, this program is amazing. BBA, uh, if you haven't done the work, do the work. I mean, if you think your life is good right now, wait until you do this thing a couple of times. It's, just amazing. I've been blessed to, to give a few uh, workshops in Spanish, and right now we're starting one September 21st, and it's going to be pretty big. Many countries are involved, Spain, Peru, Colombia, Mexico. And you know, and that's where my happiness is, you know? And that's where, that's where I see God, and that's where, that's where I feel alive, you know, in service. You know, the book says over and over and over and over and over again when everybody, when everything else fails. Working with another alcoholic every day, and that's, that's my experience. I tried to stay active in AA uh, and, 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 not, and not share my knowledge of the book because I don't think that works at all. Uh, I think that I love to share my experience with the book and uh, apply it to my life. And today I, I don't know, man, I'm just, I'm just like a lot of people say, man, I'm a grateful alcoholic. I used to hate to hear that, man. Every time a guy came into the room, grateful, I said, what in the hell are you grateful for, man? You can't drink, you can do drugs. You have to come here and confess your sins every day. I mean, what the hell are you grateful for? And you know, today I understand that, you know, uh, the greatest gift that AA has given me is uh, the gift of compassion. But it's a gift of compassion for me. You know, it's nice to look in the mirror and say, you're right, man. Even though I'm a little bit overweight, I don't care, man. I like myself. It's all right. But I don't know, man. It's just, it's just this, this is a testimony of, of love, of faith. This thing works. This thing has saved my life, turned my life around. I'm, I'm so grateful, man. I'm just so grateful. Um, work plans. I had all the work plans in the world, and uh, I sat up with a friend of mine, and uh, he decided to invest in business that I had some vision about a, a few years back, and so I guess that I'm going to be doing that, and that's fine. You know, I... Whatever I do today, it's whatever God wants me to do. That's just the way that I see it, you know. I mean, between my will and His, it's a very thin line. I, 
you know, I always go into these arguments with my friends that I don't believe in, in, in the will anymore. I don't think that works in my life anymore. I mean, my will, what, what my will did was to destroy my life, man. It brought me to AA my knees. So today it's very easy to be guided, you know. And just try to meditate, be quiet, and listen to God and see what it is that he wants me to do. So thank you for letting me share. It's been great. Uh, haven't been here in a while, but thank you. Whomever wants to share. Hi everybody, my name is David and I am an alcoholic, again, and uh, thank you Bill for uh, sharing your, your story, and uh, I can identify with you in, in almost everything, you know, I uh, was that angry guy, I was uh, that guy that didn't like everything, I was that guy that liked to complain about everything, sober. You know, I've been in and out in Alcoholics Anonymous since 1987. So I was sober, I was dry, drunk, like you said, for nine years the first time. I didn't understand why I was uh, so irritable and so restless all the time, sober. You know, like, like you were saying just now, you know, my ex-wife was afraid of me, my kids were afraid of me, the dog was afraid of me. You know, everybody was afraid of me. I mean, I didn't really, uh, uh, it was not a place that I was happy and I didn't understand why. And I pretend to be happy all, all the time, you know, pretending and pretending and pretending. And, uh, and uh, um, I didn't understand why my life was so merciful. I said, look, I had to uh, go back to drink again, you know, because this shit right that it doesn't work for me. You know, every, uh, you know, I had to have excuses for everything. If something goes wrong in, in, something goes, goes wrong in my work or any place, I blame somebody else. You know, uh, uh, I cannot make any decisions because I was afraid that I was going to fail in everything that, that I did. You know, so I was preparing for my defense before the offense, you know. I said, look, you know, uh, if I'm doing some kind of, of, of or platter or a decision because I'm a chef, you know. I, I had to get somebody else involved with me like that. I had, I had to blame him or her if I fell. But if I, you know, if, if, if the people like what I did, then I get all the credit, you know. So I didn't understand why I was like that because I wasn't happy with anything that I did, you know. And I, every time I regret it, I say, why did I, why am I like that, you know? I might pretend a really nice guy to pretend to be a really good guy, you know? And, and I thought, everybody thought I was a, a good guy, you know? And I didn't understand why my wife liked me, I mean, loved me. I didn't understand why they fired me, you know, for every, you know, two or three places that I have a wonderful job, you know? I thought, you know, they was going to miss me, they, was, they can do it without me, and that my wife was going to regret it because she, she loved me for another guy, you know? until I get to BBA, you know, I was in Anon in Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, one time for nine years, the last time for 13 years. And again, I was merciful, restless, and whatever this program tell you. And four years ago, I came to the BBA, you know, and I find out what I was missing, it was God. It was my higher power, it was, uh, I, I didn't understand, you know, that I, I was a spiritual, when, that I have a spiritual malady. And I didn't understand that word either. 
I didn't understand that I was spiritual sick, you know, and I found God in this program. I had my experience, my spiritual experience in this program and BBA in the second and third uh, step. And ever since, you know, I am not the same guy, you know, because, you know, I repeat this over and over and over and over again. And I used to make fun of the people that uh, were spiritual fit. You know, I said this, I was going to say a bad word, you know, they are just not for me. Now, every day, every moment in my life, that's how I survive and that's how I have a smile in my face and so is everybody else that is around me. And it's just nothing but because I am an alcoholic and now I know and now I accept it and I know I have God with me every single day of my life. Thank you, guys. Hi, I'm Janice. Okay. I do not like to speak in front of people. I don't even like to speak in front of two people. I'd rather do it on the phone. <clears throat> My whole entire career has always been on the phone. Um, I walked into these rooms and um, I had a problem with eating. So I wanted to um, just come here and lose weight. And that was it. And um, I sat in the middle of the room, I got here early, sat in the middle of the room, and all of a sudden they said the word God. And if I wasn't so codependent, I would have gotten up and left. But I sat there and I endured it. And as soon as it was over, I beelined out. And as on my way out, this lady, she touched my arm and she touched it in a way that it was God touching me. And I just looked down. I thought, my mind went first all, how dare someone touch me, right? And then I felt it. And I looked up at her and she said, use another word than God. So it took me about two months to come back. And when I came back, my finger was pointed at all of you. You guys have a problem. I don't have a problem. And I had a real bad attitude, you know. Um, and now, and I, that was traditional rooms. And um, I happened to, happenstance, I found the BBA. And I was in, I think I was on the fifth step when I realized this was not a regular meeting, I mean, a regular workshop. You know, I happened to, even though the book said Big Book Awakening, I just thought it was just a big, you know, a, a big book, learning how to sponsor somebody. And I went to my first BBA meeting, and it was so electrifying. And I mean, it was just, uh, my heart was beating. There was too many people, and it was kind of like, oh my God. I, you know, it was overwhelming for me because I'm a chaos curator and I like to hide. And, um, but I kept on going back. And I jumped into workshop after workshop after workshop, and then I had this spiritual awakening.
and um, no longer was my finger pointed at you guys. It was pointed at me. And in going through workshops after workshop, I, I didn't realize it at the time, but I did take it, I did take about four years off, which I don't recommend anyone to do that. Because <clears throat> the chaos creating, even though I wasn't drinking and I wasn't doing the drugs and I wasn't, I mean, I would, I moved to Napa to quit drinking. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Um, but um, I came crawling back into the rooms, you know, and I had to sit there and say, what caused me to get into the situation that I was in? Because I knew it wasn't anyone out there. I knew it was me. And the more I dug into, and I got into this workshop, there was all alcoholics, and I was the only one that was doing this. I just kept on being guided and um, doing the chaos creating. And now I can really say that when something happens in my life, I sit my bottom down, I'm talking to God, I'm trying to figure, you know, I'm trying to get that answer from God, and, and then I talk to someone about it. I don't talk to anyone until I sit down with God, and I change, you know, and I get that. And sometimes what I have to do, I have to, I have to verbalize it. But most of the time, it's me. Um, and I listen to my, my higher power. But I do use the word God now, and I'm okay with that. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you. Hey everybody, uh, my name is Brian, and I am an adult child of alcoholics. And I am an absolute professional chaos creator, controller, fixer, obsessor. A world-class one, I think. Um, Bill, thanks for your lead. And um, I'm grateful uh, for that spiritual blackout you were in when we met, you know, because it's guys like you that just keep me coming back. And uh, so I love you too, bud. Um, <clears throat> and welcome to Alex. Taking a chip tonight, buddy. Congrats. Keep coming back, okay? Um, so my story is real quick. I got here because my wife couldn't stop drinking. And like a good Al-Anon controller, fixer, chaos creator, I knew what she needed to do, but she wouldn't listen to me, right? She wouldn't behave the way I needed her to behave for her to be okay, and she didn't want to have anything that I was giving away. So she crawled into her first meeting, and I chased her in there, and I spent five years in, uh, in and out of, of Al-Anon meetings, traditional Al-Anon meetings, in some respects that were attached to maybe most excellent way in different church groups. And I was doing the deal because I didn't understand alcoholism, and I couldn't figure out why I could not make her a normal drinker. And, uh, and I had zero problems. I had, you know, I was normal. I had everything together. You looked at me on the outside. I had it all together. I had a great, great life, great wife, everything, even though it was all a wreck. And I hid that from everybody. Um, <clears throat> so I'll fast forward to my solution. In 2010, we were no longer living together. We were separated. 
in sobriety, she hit a bottom. And the bottom she hit was so hard that I didn't, I wasn't there to rescue her or to finally be in the way of what God was really doing. Because when an alcoholic like Leanne has a, a dysfunctional chaos creator, controller, fixer, husband like me, every time she was about to hit a bottom, I would rescue her. I would, I would somehow get in the way of what God was really trying to do and rescue her. And so he had to remove me. <clears throat> and he had to remove me in such a way it was devastating. And that quote in the book is, my deepest, darkest past, my storms of my life become my greatest asset later to give away to somebody else. So I've been places I never thought I would go. I, I was in a, in a deep, dark moment of my life that uh, I met God in my master bedroom on my knees, crying out to him, trying to just figure out how I have two little girls down the hall who want to be with me, not with their mom, and how do I do this life on my own because she's gone. And uh, it was hard. And uh, I got a call out of the blue very soon after that prayer, and it was Leanne. Uh, some of you know my wife. She speaks a lot in, this, in the Big Book Awakening. And she called me and she said, Brian, I met a woman today, and I'm going to stalk her until she sponsors me. And her name's Tyla C., and she did. She stalked her, and everybody's heard her story. Uh, knows to this day that Tyler is still her sponsor, and uh, so I started going into. I was invited finally into the club. I'd never been to an AA meeting before. I'd never heard um, anybody share about alcoholism before until I went to a Big Book Awakening meeting because I was invited in, and I began to realize that what the alcoholic was suffering from, I had the same disease, but like Bill said, I manufactured it internally. See, for, for her, alcohol was the solution. Drugs were removed from her. She was one step by, you know, from Crystal because of the babies, and, and, and she was just done with that and smoking. But alcohol, for some reason, was her solution to what she was suffering. Mine was adrenaline and the chaos and the dysfunction. And what I heard was, is that when I drink alcohol, I don't break out into a craving for more. I don't have this reaction that says, hey, throw everything away, just go, go hard, go as long as you can. Because I would drink with her, I would do drugs with her, I would do everything with her, and yet I could stop, control, and moderate because I had that off button when it came to that. But what I didn't have is an off button to the way I wanted just control her, manipulate, not only her, but people, my kids. My kids finally told me, hey, Dad, you know, just so you know, when you ask me how my day is, you're really interrogating me. And I'm like, what? Like, I thought I just wanted to know how your day was. You know, I'm just trying to be a good dad, thank you. But I found out that I was interrogating them. So I pressed forward. I had a guy come up to me in a meeting. He says, listen, you have a part in why you're here. So you need to leave her alone, you need to step aside, you need to go through this work. And I began to do it. And I, what my experience is, is uh, today, after going through this workshops multiple times through it, taking people through the work, I understand that today, uh, what my job is to just show up and, and less is more. Because the more I'm involved, the worse it gets. So when I can just step back, pray, meditate, 
and give it all to God. I can show up and I can be healthy for you. I can be healthy as a father. I can be healthy as a son. I can be healthy as a neighbor. I can be healthy as an employer, as an employee. And in a, in a, in a, in a room like this, I'm able to just function today as long as I just stay out of the way and let God do what he's going to do through me. And uh, so I'm grateful for all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Ren's alcoholic. I love life and life loves me. Uh, you know, uh, I just uh, moved back to Chula Vista from uh, Oceanside and I had like a spiritual awakening moving away from my comfort zone. I needed to uh, reestablish my sobriety. Uh, I put myself into sober living. Um, I needed to be humbled. You know, I had relapsed and, and there's the growth, right? Like I started to realize um, in meeting people like Bill um, that I was always codependent, didn't know that though. You know, like I've always had relationships and I thought that was just normal and stuff, but I made relationships my higher power at times and I didn't know that until it was pointed out to me. Um, one of the biggest things that, that helped me with that shift uh, was just listening to like Bill's story, talking one-on-one, -on -one, like, wait a minute, I can relate to that. Um, also doing a, a new fourth step that I've, I've done like five or six of them, right? So I'm like, Again, and truth of the matter is that each time I'm, I'm peeling layers that I thought weren't there. Like I'm, I'm burying more things, especially like with my, my mother. Um, and those are all the things that came out now with my codependency that I, that I didn't realize before. And, you know, I always like, and I always wanted to be the hero for whatever relationship I was. I had that hero complex and forgot about myself each and every single time. What it did make me do, though, this time um, is reconnect with God. Um, see, I was brought up Christian, so I was like, I've got this shit. That's easy. Like, I didn't even, like really focus in with my connection with God because I was brought up a certain way, I had certain values, and truth of the matter is, I didn't know shit spirituality-wise, right? Today, I have such a connection with God, and the biggest realization that I had that of my spirituality is pretty simple now, right? God has always been there. He's carried me through the shit I put myself through. He has never left me. I left him. And once I was able to, to do that shift in my life, that knowing and really having faith, right? Like coming into these rooms, you come in with a little bit of hope, like, okay, it's working for some people. Then that hope turns into faith and you can actually believe in something that you can't see. And then that faith one day just becomes trust. I'm at the level of trust right now. I trust the people that God puts in my life. 
And I had an opportunity to come back to Chula Vista, but now I'm doing great in, in North County. And I started questioning God again, like, wait a minute. You brought me to Oceanside. I started dating a girl that's in Riverside. And something kept on telling me, no, God wants you back here and stuff. And I was like, wait, then I'm going to lose my friends there. My friends come down and see me now, or I go see my friends, right? More importantly, though, what I realized is I went to um, my church that's in Chula Vista, and my pastor there, he's 17 years sober, doesn't have the program, but he's got God, did the program before. I, I'm so blessed that I have a sponsor, you know, for AA. I have a spiritual mentor now in my pastor, and he hugged me, and, and, and we've been talking and communicating, and he said to me, he's like, I needed you back because I'm able to share now my experience, strength, and hope with the church. Before, I didn't talk about that stuff, but because of your story, you being here, I'm able to help men and women now talk about the demons that we might have, whether it's alcohol, drugs, sex, whatever it is. I get to share that now because you're here. And that is God doing for me what I can't do for myself. And there's purpose there. And for that, I'm blessed. Thank you. Charlie Alcoholic? Charlie. Uh, yeah, so real quick, uh, I'm in East Lake Church. Um, one time I came to the church very drunk. And, um, but I want to go back um, very drunk. Uh, and, uh, but I, in the, at 13, I got my first beer. Uh, my uncle, who died of cirrhosis of the liver, and the other one of heroin, up in LA, East LA area. That's where I grew up. Um, but my dad, uh, being in the gang area, he sent us to a youth retreat, and at 13 I accepted Christ, and, and the war started. And uh, so I drank all the way through high school, college, all that stuff, came down to Chula Vista, lived in Baja, if you think it's crazy drinking here, you go live in Baja, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's, and um, so uh, it was really freaking tough, man, because um, I was wondering why God are you letting this? You know, I know you, you know, you're my friend. Um, 13 years old, sure, I want my friend to be with me for the rest of my life. Why is this happening to me? You know, and, um, and I got real confused. And the reason why I, that day I started trying to get a church, always going to church, always going, trying to get, trying to get that, that God would just zap me, that God would just, you know, just zap me. And I have heard people that that, that has happened. And I would get pissed. I'm like, wow, well, you don't like me or what? And um, so it got really bad. Uh, I got a DUI, 2015. And then... Um, so uh, did all that crap. Went started going to uh, this uh, very close uh, East uh, East Lake Greens AA because I had to, but I didn't really give a shit. I didn't even care. Um, so I left after I did all my stuff. And it got really bad. 
and I drank and I drank and I was killing myself. But I would pray and I would ask God to help me in my business. And things would happen. And so I thought, well, God's got my back. So why do I even have any day? Hey, he, you know, I'm over here, I'll concentrate on this area that's doing fine. And so, uh, so I got the DOI, I, I uh, decided uh, to, uh, and I just, I remember one time I was just in the garage drinking uh, Jack Daniels for no freaking reason at all. Three beautiful girls, a wife that was just standing by my side, but she was getting very tired. And I, I called a good friend, as maybe some of you know, uh, Louis Duarte. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I knew him. I think I knew him through here. I don't know how, but I asked him for help in 2018. He said, Charlie, if you're going to stay in the program, don't run. Don't ever run. Stay. And I uh, was very afraid. Went up to, uh, uh, with a, which one vacation that I didn't mess up, and we were up in, like, near Sequoia, that area. And I remember one night we were at a little cabin, but there was like a bar down there, and I have three beautiful girls. And I was really like saying, I let them go to sleep early so I can sneak out. And then I fell asleep, and I told my wife, I want a drink, and I fell asleep. And I remember that night, it was a God moment, where I woke up about like, I don't know what time, it was like in the middle of the night. And I felt like I was in a, I was, that the obsession was gone. It wasn't gone, but I just like God saying, if you don't run, if you keep doing it, the program, and if you stay, I will take care of you. But I did have some relapses, and you know, uh, many, several. But what I did have learned is that that God, for me, didn't just want to take care of my alcoholism. He wanted to take care of all my hurt and that, my fears and my, my, um, my insecurities and all kinds. He wanted to deep deeper. And that's the beauty of the program. Now I know God in a totally different way. Uh, and I'm so grateful because I, and it's beautiful what you said, man. And like, he's by your side, you hold his hand, you'll never be lost, and you'll never be alone. And I really truly believe that, and that's what the program has taught me. And, and I really appreciate the, the program, and, and just, I'm not going to just, just keep going, and just thanking uh, God. And I asked him, Lord, if you keep me uh, sober, I'll do whatever you want. I'll talk wherever you want. I'll help whoever you want. Just, just keep one, just today, just help me today. And I, and I think that that one of the promises is going to happen. Okay. Charlie, I'll call it. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, Charlie. Woman power. Just kidding. <laughs> Hi, I'm Janet. <laughs> Alcoholic addict, codependent, chaos creator, addicted to self reliance for a long, long time. With alcohol, without alcohol, I was addicted to self and being in charge of everything and full of delusions about that that wasn't what was going on. I was quite convinced that I was um, not doing that thing of controlling and fixing and arranging everybody on the stage to suit what would make me feel comfortable. And I had no idea I was doing that for a very long time. Just a quick ID, um, I, uh, I'm Australian, so of course I'm an alcoholic, right? I mean, we're all alcoholics. 
<laughs> That's true. <laughs> Actually, quite true. But um, seriously, I, um, you know, I, I identified very strongly with you, Bill. Um, thank you for your share you lead today. Um, I grew up in a, a home where my father was an active drinker and he, he was just like this all, all the time, very, very um, tense and I was scared of my dad. He, I mean, he, I was scared because I didn't know what that energy was, where it was going to go. And my mother was the codependent, walking on eggshells around him. And, um, you know, by the time I was a teenager, I needed something. I was already a good little chaos creator. I used to throw a lot of tantrums. <laughs> I used to do things to um, create a lot of attention around myself. And, I, and as I say, I would throw a lot of tantrums. And um, one day someone suggested I try smoking some weed and I was kind of nervous about it, but boy, when I got that first smoking, <laughs> I was like, where have you been all my life? You know, finally I felt some sense of um, release and calm um, from the anxiety that I was chronically living in. And um, anyway, it progressed, obviously. I, I became, I, I drank alcohol. I, I'm Australian, but I didn't like beer. It was a real problem. But anyway, I got over that um, and found tequila. <laughs> That's why I'm living here now. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, but seriously, I drank tequila because I, it gave me that quick fix, you know. It was a, it was a really great way to get uh, the effect that I was looking for. And so on and so on. Anyway, the story goes on and on and on. I have been to jail, I've been in the psych ward. Finally, I found my way into AA. And it, it was a real God moment. It was... Um, a, a, another day of complete chaos the day before. I had promised that I was not going to drink to myself and to my partner at the time and there was absolutely no thought, not even a notion. When I was offered that beer, I did drink beer that day, I was offered a beer, I just took it and started drinking. No, no thought about it at all. And fortunately that very next day I decided I was going to go to AA and I must have been entirely ready to, to hand over something because the obsession to drink was lifted from me that day. I, I went from being completely unable to have any defence against the first drink to now all I want to do is go to meetings. So I did that. And um, when I came into BBA, which was only a couple of years ago now, I don't even, was it the end of 2018 or I don't know, when, when were we doing BBA? 2019? Okay. It feels like a long time ago. But when I came into doing BBA, I was really not happy. I had some really serious internal turmoil going on. Wherever I went, there I was. I knew that I was the common denominator and I had nowhere to hide. <laughs> and I knew I needed some help. And the coming into BBA has been a, a major shift for me in my sobriety. Um, on my sober dates back in 1999, December the 6th, 1999. And uh, I desperately needed BBA. And um, what I've learned here is that 
as has been said tonight, I'm not a religious person. I'm not into you know Christ, the Bible, and all of that. But I'm a deeply spiritual person who has truly come to understand what it is to feel that that love vibration of God. And that's happened to me because of AA. I'm happy to call it. Uh, I'm happy to call that energy God because it's easy. It's a good orderly direction. It's whatever you want to call it, but it's something that when I sit in that place of really being authentically connected to that energy, I have no need to control people, places, and things. Ain't none of my business. I'm gonna leave it right there. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Luis. I'm an alcoholic. Thank you, Bill, uh, for coming down and sharing your experience, strength, and hope. Uh, you know, I reached out to Renzo, and Renzo's like, oh, I got this buddy, Bill. And it's one of those things where, I, you know, I've never heard Bill, but, it, but you take it to prayer, and it's like, we trust, I trust Renzo, right? And so, therefore, by extension, it's like, let, let's, it's a new meeting, you know, let's bring some new voices, and... Ultimately, God has this, right? And so, um, when I got here, when I, and I, when I hit bottom, I was not a man of faith in the sense of, I didn't have faith in God. I had faith in sex, I had faith in money, I had faith in my parents' checkbook. They could get me out of trouble many times. Um, I had faith in, in my abilities, but when I hit bottom, I reached out to a God that I had walked away from when I was nine years old, and I asked them, help me get to a meeting. Without really knowing, other than what the movies, the Hollywood shows, what this was about. And at that first meeting, I heard the promises, the ninth step promises. I heard, let us love you until you learn to love yourself. And after the meeting, uh, a group of men surrounded me, and I got invited to a Big Book Awakening workshop. And, you know, I had enough willingness to say yes to something I didn't even know what it was about. They would start, um, it would start about a month and a half later. And so, uh, if this is your first time here and you're hearing us say BBA, Big Book Awakening, this is a Big Book Awakening meeting and it just, we will be having a workshop uh, later that will start in this very space. Um, but as a result of going through the 12 steps, the BBA way, not only did I find myself with a new relationship and a new attitude with God, um, but, you know, and in time I would learn to, to, as Brian would often tell me, you're going to have to let her go and let God, you know, because I know what it's like to basically sober experience the promises of this book where the mental obsession is lifted um i'm doing good you know like uh, you know i'm i'm in the book i'm in service and then suddenly um my spouse we finally we suddenly see what she's been suffering this whole time and i don't know how to deal with it and i try to basically slap her with this book that she needs to get spiritual, which I don't, I don't even understand what's going on, you know? And I, I say it because, you know, um, after we separated and divorce proceedings started, at this very church, 
I once again got it, uh, because I was serving, I got invited to something that was a discipleship program. I had no idea what that was, but I had enough willingness to say yes. And there I, I learned about spiritual maturity. And it was like, the book tells us about spiritual growth. And it made sense. It said, hey, when I, this book says we will feel like we're reborn, right? And I had felt that. And, and it said, you know, in the beginning, you were like a child, you know, like our sponsors spoon feeding us, giving us suggestions. And then as we start to, you know, as a child, and then at some point, some of us, as we go into service, I remember feeling like a teenager. I remember saying that. I was like, I have all this energy. I'm serving everywhere. I'm, you know, like, I got this. And it was really the God's power just flowing through me. And it was like the, this other book was telling me, yeah, this is what a young adult feels like. And then it points to, hey, then there's like, for some, there's parents. And I remember it was, I was asked, the question is, who's been discipling you? And I was like, discipling me? And then I realized that it was Jose this whole time. That, you know, Tyla... Like, Michael was my sponsor. Michael brought us to Old Town as a group. I met Tyler there. She just wrapped her arms around me and said, I love you, and I believed her. And then over time, I would reach out, not just to Tyler, I'd reach out to Brian and Leanne. I mean, I was reaching out to everybody because of what we were going through at home. And she pointed me to Jose, and then I could see it. And it's basically, today I call Jose my spiritual father, you know? And so I love how this book you know, helps us not only recover and then puts us, helps us, guides us on how to sponsor someone else through the BBA uh, booklet. But I'll just read real quick. It says, uh, we never apologize to anyone for depending upon our creator. We can laugh at those who think spirituality the way of weakness. Paradoxically, it is the way of strength. The verdict of ages is that faith means courage. All men of faith have courage. They trust their God. We never apologize for God. Instead, we let him demonstrate through us what, we, what he can do. We ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. At once, we commence to outgrow fear. You know, and this, this meeting tonight really is one of those, uh, what is it, field of dreams? You know, like this started with prayer two years ago. And just there's a lot of people praying for it. And then here we are together tonight on a Monday night, you know? And so I'm just very grateful if this is your first time, please stay and just so we can get to know you a little bit better. And that's all I have, thanks. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe at eastlakebba.com. You can also help us reach others by spreading the word about our podcast. Thank you for joining us today on the East Lake Big Book Awakening Podcast.